We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is the Sacramento Bees, Chris Biederman. And we are sponsored by Cooper's Brewing in Santa Rosa. Go visit the brewery out there in Santa Rosa, or you can order it online at cooperagebrewing.com. They will send it anywhere to you in California. They overnight it, they pack it real nice, and you get cold beer shipped right to your door. It's a very cool thing. That's cooperagebrewing.com. Let's get into it. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. has got him and a second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown 49ers. Okay, I have, this is the first time I've ever said this in my life. I have Carolina Panthers takes. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I, big, big day for you. Big episode. It is. Yeah, this is big time. I also have some George Kittle takes. Um, and I, I want to discuss those with you because we talked a little bit about it over text, but I want to kind of dive in because that's been, I don't want to say an underrated part of this season, but so much talk, you know, about the Debo Samuel touchdown and and the defense so far. The Kittle stuff has gotten talked about, but I I, I think it's I think the conversation has been has been whittled down to like throw it to him more and and less about like hey what what the hell what the hell is going on here why is why is George Kittle getting six targets in in his first two games and I think part of it is injury related like he missed two games he barely played in the preseason missed the first two weeks and now the same way Jimmy Garoppolo has to get in a rhythm and George Kittle kind of does as well. But I was re-watching the first half of the Rams game at just grinding tape. And in the lab, grinding the 22. And I think some of it is blocking related, but it's not like he's staying in the block on 80% of their pass blocking snaps. But I think this is part of Kyle Shanahan kind of evolving a little bit as a, as a coach and as a play caller and utilizing Kittle against defenses. He's seen how defenses defend him and he's figuring out ways to open things up for Juwan Jennings, for Debo Samuel, for Brandon Ayuk by essentially putting Kittle out in a route where he's not a viable receiver, which happened several times in the first half the other night on completions over the middle of the field. Yeah, well, one of the things Kyle Shanahan said this week was that, you know, particularly against the Rams, given the fact they have Aaron Donald, who can line up anywhere and create mismatch problems along the 49ers offensive line and that, you know, you might need Kittle just to help in pass protection. And we saw that for a handful of snaps and and we have seen that for a handful of snaps really every game for years now. So I, I definitely think there's something to that. Because as Kyle Shanahan looks for mismatches against defenses, I think he's also cognizant of where the defense might try to attack mismatches while he's on offense, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're missing Trent Williams in particular, 
you could see defenses maybe overloading to attack the 49ers tackles, particularly Colton McKivitz. So maybe there are scenarios where you need George Kittle to, to help in pass protection there. I also think maybe more broadly, and, and we've mentioned this before, and George Kittle's talked about this, like he said on the record that he feels much better after games in which he's not getting targeted a whole lot in the passing game because he's not getting tackled. Right. Like he's right. He's mentioned after some of those like 12, 13 catch games that he's like, yeah, those are the games where I wake up the most sore because obviously he's getting he's getting tackled way more and Mm -hmm. hit way more when he's catching passes over the middle of the field and all that. Not that he's, he's not physically taxed while he's blocking, but it's just different when you're colliding with guys trying to tackle you as opposed to just being locked up. And he gets hit by three, four, five dudes every play. Right, because he refuses to go down, and maybe that's something that he could get better at in terms of, like, is that extra yard or two really worth it, or should he just kind of hit the deck and live to see another day, right? I I think that's a discussion you can have with a lot of 49ers players, and particularly when you think about, like, what Frank Gore was so good at, right? Like, that's the reason why Frank Gore had so much longevity was because he was so good at knowing when to go down to avoid taking hits. But in general, like... I think you're 100% right to point it out that it's not just like they're not force feeding Kittle. It's like there are reasons why Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of it has to do with protection issues along the offensive line. A lot of it has to do with how much of a factor George Kittle is in the running game. And yeah, there are plays where Kyle Shanahan makes it pretty explicit in where he's trying to go with the football. And when you're running Mm -hmm. a lot of bubble screens, as the 49ers are right now, as they're trying to reacclimate Jimmy Garoppolo into quote unquote regular season form, George Kittle isn't going to be a, a, a regular target in those scenarios. And I would expect that he's going to get more targets as the season goes on. But I think mm-hmm. in Kyle Shanahan's mind, it's not necessarily a necessity, I guess, to, to get Kittle a ton of targets early on because he thinks the offense can function without that. Um, but there's... Debatable. There's yeah, I mean, there's there's the long term element too of like, you know, they're trying to prolong George Kittle as long as they can. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think George Kittle understands that. And and if he were getting the same number of targets now that he was getting in 2018 when he set the single season record for um, for yards by a tight end, which has since been broken by Travis Kelsey, if he were getting that much of a workload like George Kittle might be unavailable to play half the season because of all the injuries he's played through he'll have the shoulder injury as long as he's playing football it doesn't sound like he ever intends to get that fixed until he retires so you know it it could be a long-term play but ultimately like you know we can talk about the denver game and yeah the 49ers lost the offense was bad but until they start losing games a little bit more you know until they start losing games where it's like you know, George Kittle has like the Denver game, one catch or two catches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then I think it becomes more of a prominent talking point. I think you can make a similar case or like, you know, Brandon, Ayuk should probably get more run, but yeah, coming off the game against the Rams where Debo Samuel did what he did. It's hard to be too overly critical, particularly knowing how limited the 49ers are at quarterback right now. Mm-hmm. But you know, I know I'm I'm making a lot of different points in one little rant here, but like I also think there's something to the fact that Kyle Shanahan typically only has like really one pass catcher go off in games where the offense plays well. And I think I've made that case before on here, but it mm-hmm. just the 49ers are definitely a run first team. They like they are limited at quarterback. You're not gonna get two hundred yard pass catchers every week. But I think there's an element of like Kyle Shanahan is pretty focused on getting one guy the ball mm-hmm. in a lot of in a lot of games. Like in the game, I'll, I'll always point to is like that in 2020, that Thursday night game against the Packers is like Richie James had 100 and whatever yards that game. And he was yeah. just being force fed the ball. And Kyle Shanahan's really good at that. He's really good at figuring out guys how, how to get one singular guy open and certain matchups and utilize him Mm -hmm. and get yards after the catch and all that. But it doesn't feel like he does that with multiple players in one single game too often. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if Brandon Ayuk has a big game coming up here at some point, I would expect Debo Samuel to maybe be quiet. 
right? Sure. Like you, you just watching the 49ers offense since Kyle Shanahan took over, you're not like, all right, these multiple guys are going to go off in this game. It's usually just one. So I, I think, you know, I, given how efficient the 49ers offense has typically been under Kyle Shanahan, it's kind of a nitpick. But I do think like when you get into bigger games and when you get into the playoffs, you ultimately want to prove that you ha- you're capable of getting multiple players big numbers in the same game. So like when you go against somebody, they're not just like, all right, if we take out Debo Samuel, then we're going to force them to play left-handed because they haven't proven they can force feed Brandon Ayuk and like during the regular season. Like that's kind of, mm-hmm. that's something I, I think the 49ers could potentially do better at. And I think it's something Kyle Shanahan could certainly do better at. And I know he's stubborn and will take the matchups that, that are available to him. Well, but and I, I think, and I, and ultimately with Kittle, I think that's part of it. Like getting Kittle going is going to be something that behooves him as the season goes. I think part of it's quarterback related too. Oh, definitely. There were there I, I, there were a couple opportunities in that in that game the other night where so two plays two plays really stick out in regards to Kittle, and then I'll get to and and this ties into the Garoppolo thing. Uh, the second third down they converted it was a throw to Juwan Jennings. And Jennings and Kittle basically ran the same route. Kittle just ran a shallow version. And like three defenders went with Kittle and left left it open for, for Jennings for an easy first down. And it's plays like that that kind of illustrate what you were just saying where Shanahan's going to exploit matchups. And he goes, hey, on this play, we're going to get Juwan Jennings one-on-one because they're going to go with Kittle. And if they don't, then it's George Kittle running free over the middle, you know. Um, but the reason I say, I think part of it's quarterback related is there was a play in the first half where it was the Garoppolo scramble for a first down and Kittle was running open up the seam. And that's not, that's not on, on Jimmy necessarily because the play broke down pretty quick. The pocket broke down, but I feel like we see players like Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, when they step up through the pocket like that they recognize like, oh, my tight end, my super dynamic tight end is running wide open down the middle of the field. I'm going to reset my feet and get rid of it. And that's just not Garoppolo's game. Like that's, that's not, I'm not expecting him to be that. But when you talk about, oh, two, uh, two pass catchers never have a big game or, oh, why aren't they throwing the ball to Kittle? Like Kittle needs more targets. It's like, man, there's targets there. And if he connects on that, Kittle has, just to add to his stat line, assuming the rest of the game goes the same way, he's, three for 98 and a touchdown. And it's like, Oh wow. Look, George Kittle's back. And that's solely like, that just comes down to quarterback playing. Again, this is not a knock on Garoppolo. It's not to say, Hey, you need, he needs to be a top five guy now. But I think when it comes to production from pass catchers and what's wrong with George Kittle and, and, you know, Debo Samuel has 115 yards, but the next, the next highest receiving total is 38 or whatever it was. Um, I think some of that has to do with the the play of the quarterback, though. I think there's something to Shanahan as well saying, hey, they're not going to be able to cover Brandon Ayuk if we do this all game. So we're going to do that all game and he's going to have a huge, a huge one. The first thing Kyle Shanahan always says when he's asked about, you know, like targets or like specific X's and O's stuff, like who's getting the ball and all that. He's like, well, what coverage is the defense running? Right. Like everything he does is predicated on what the defense is doing. And he tries to counterbalance or counteract that. Right. So it's not a scenario where he's like, yeah, like I don't care who we're playing. George Kittle's going to get the ball 10 times on Sunday. It's like, well, if the coverage, the ball's going to go where the coverage dictates it should go. And so oftentimes that leads to Kyle Shanahan really trying to exploit one certain matchup. Um, and against good defenses, obviously it's going to be hard to find multiple matchups that you find super favorable. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think part of Kyle Shanahan's game plan too, is to make things relatively easy for the quarterback. Like obviously Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have reads, multiple reads on every play. Right. But like, how often do we see Jimmy Garoppolo get to like his fourth guy in his progression? Especially behind this offensive line. Right. Like, at, like, and part of that's by design. We talk about, oh, well, Kyle Shanahan's really good at designing a passing game that gets the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. Part of that is like not is is letting Jimmy have one or two reads, right? Like that's yeah. a big part of 
you know, emphasizing, okay, get the ball out on your first or second read and we'll get the ball out quickly and try to negate some of this pass rush. Like if you have a capable offensive line that you feel confident in and a quarterback that you trust to like make all of those progressions and, Mm -hmm. you know, make the right decisions, like then you start to get into scenarios where you have, you know, multiple pass catchers with productive games on any given day. But because a lot of the offense right now is predicated on getting the ball out quickly, you're probably not going to see Jimmy Garoppolo move off of, um, you know, Debo Samuel and George Kittle. And like, that's it. And to your point on that third down play, it's like, all right, Kittle's my first read. If Jennings is single covered, I'm going to go that way on third down. Right. And Which we see sense. him and, and it's really like, it feels like, you know, 90% of Juwan Jennings targets come on third down mm-hmm. largely because of that, because it's like, all right, Debo's double covered or George is double covered, whatever. And then you get single coverage on the opposite side with, with Jennings and you have to get the ball out quickly. So he's not Jennings isn't the fourth guy in the progression. So, right. um, yeah, I definitely think there's something to it. I'm not personally overreacting to George Kittle, not being involved in the passing game. I do think it would behoove the 49ers to as good as Debo Samuel is like get Brandon and IU going. So maybe that ultimately makes life a little bit easier for Debo Samuel as the season goes on, because Mm -hmm. as good as Debo is, you also want to save hits on his body as the season goes, because we saw how, you know, how much of a beating his body took in the playoffs and like, you know, limping off the field in green Bay, uh, just hopping off on one leg because of the ankle issue. Like, you know, you 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 have all of these weapons on offense, so you can spread the wealth and you can be more difficult to defend. So, like, if you are just force feeding one guy, you're sort of forcing yourself. I don't want to say forcing yourself in a bad situation, but it's just not an if you're if you're game planning for the 49ers and you know they're going to Debo Samuel in certain situations, or you know Juwan Jennings is a third down guy, like ideally you'd like to be more versatile so defenses have more to think about when they're preparing to play the 49ers. Yeah, right. And I that's, I mean, that was the whole conversation when moving on from Garoppolo, right? Like when they go, how do you move on from a from a quarterback who who took you to the NFC Championship game in a Super Bowl? And it's like, because of conversations like this. Right. Like, that's that's kind of what it comes down to. He's, he's um, a limiting factor. I think it's pretty clear that Jimmy Garoppolo is yeah. a limiting factor. Yeah, I don't again, I don't want to turn this into drag Jimmy because he is what he is. Like there's not an expectation that he's gonna not be that. Um but you that's just when it, but when you, no totally, but 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 it, to, to it's about hey, you're gonna have discussions about why isn't Brandon Ayuk getting the ball more? Why isn't George Kittle getting the ball more? And it's like because they're probably not throwing it 35 or 40 times a game. Right. And the passing game's gotta be X and the throws ha- there's five throws he's comfortable making so it's going to be only those routes so and you got to get the ball out in a certain amount of time right it's it's tough um but yeah i i I expect george kittle to be fine and i think that like he weirdly last year got off to kind of a not not slow start not as slow as this year but he hadn't had that like major george kittle game and then you look at the end of the year he has a couple of big games and all of a sudden he's nearly a thousand yards and he's setting a career in touchdown catches Right. It was just kind of a bizarre year. So I think he's going to be fine. Um, speaking of non-dynamic quarterbacks, can we talk about Baker Mayfield? Man, the Panthers are just in a bad oh. way right now. Holy smokes. Bad way. The thing is, is the thing is, is there's been there. there um, I think there's this notion that like the Niners are favored by six and a half. And that means to cover that I have to win by seven points if you're not a betting person. Um, and I, I think there's this idea that like, oh, six and a half, that's easy. That's easy work. And I think for their defense that like, yeah, holding the Panthers to less than 20 points should be easy or should be. I mean, they're still NFL players that still get paid and they still have guys like DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. Like they have talented players. They're just not a good offense, but Carolina's defense is pretty good. And Brian Burns is a star. Like he's a very good pass rusher. So it wouldn't surprise me if this is one of those weird games that the Niners are like clearly the better team, but they win like like thirteen to seven, like because they can't put the ball in the end zone either. Mm-hmm. That said, watching Carolina's offense 
is like watching it's like when the second stringers in a preseason game play against starters and they just look disoriented and not quite good enough and okay there's a completion here there's a nice run there but it's mostly just a lot of like hey these guys aren't going to be playing anyway so it doesn't matter that they look this bad only this is an NFL team in the regular season and they look that bad the been reading some of the reporting coming out from from the Panthers beats beat writers and a lot of stories about like you know accountability oh. you know like like who's who's being accountable on offense and the first thing i thought about was like didn't the browns have similar conversations when they were struggling with baker mayfield like is that you know is that it like with mayfield it was less i think about his talent and how he played quarterback and more like is this a guy that you need as sort of the face of your franchise the face of your franchise and like the browns clearly decided no yeah right and then all this talk about accountability and like the receivers not really wanting to play ball with that line of questioning to the reporters and then like you know is matt rule on the hot seat well matt rules lost 10 of his last 11 games and he's had a bunch of different opportunities to make decisions at quarterback and none of those decisions have really paid off, right? Like they might get the Niners might get Matt Rule fired. They might. They definitely might. Like it it's because the Panthers did have higher expectations in being one and three. And the Panthers, I mean, it, they tried to get they tried to get Matt Stafford, they tried to get Deshaun Watson. Obviously, they ended up with Sam Darnold, and that worked to the point where they decided that they needed to trade for Baker Mayfield. And now Mayfield is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. It's not great. It really isn't great. They're the worst offense in the league by a lot of metrics, and the Niners' defense might be historically good. Um, And, you know, at a time where they're talking about lack a lack of accountability and, and, you know, the reasons for why they're not performing. It's like, those are tough conversations to be dealing with internally. If you're the, if you're the Panthers knowing that the 49ers are coming this weekend. DVOA is a football outsiders efficiency metric. I mean, obviously I don't know who you're talking to. (laughs) So again, Chris, okay. Sorry. I had, I just assumed you're talking to me. I was like, I, I live in analytics, bro. <laughs> the spider, the spider graph King over here. Yeah. So the, the Panthers were 25th in offensive DVOA going into week three. I'm sorry, week four, they were 25th and small sample sizes early. I get it, but they were 25th in offensive DVOA going into week four. They played the Cardinals who are 29th in defensive DVOA right now. The Panthers are now 31st in offensive DVOA. It's not great. They were one of the worst offenses in football, played an even worse defense, and dropped spots in the sufficiency metric. That's a very, very tough scene. They have a rookie offensive uh, left tackle, a guy I think they drafted around the top 10. I forget exactly. It is it the NC State guy? Um, mm-hmm. And he's gotten off to an uneven start, apparently. Christian McCaffrey, I think, has 227 rushing yards in four games. Every every good Panthers play is Christian McCaffrey doing something individually incredible. Right. Like making three guys miss in the backfield. And it's like, wow, 25-yard run by McCaffrey. Yeah, and like, you know, the 49ers defense, we talked about how good it's been against the run. Um, and given how fast the 49ers linebackers play, I would imagine slowing down Christian McCaffrey is not outside their purview. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the Panthers definitely could be a team where you're playing them at the exact right time. Because, like you said, to lose to Arizona in that way with their defense really struggling, mm-hmm. I, I just, it, it's hard to have faith given that, you know, Baker Mayfield is in his first year there and there are so many questions about Matt Rule's future. 
relative to the expectations they had coming into the season that it's like, oh yeah, they're really going to turn it around and get right against the Niners. It's like, hey, well, it could happen. <laughs> I mean, it could, but sure. I'm. it kind of just feels like it's one of those situations that could get ugly and you have ownership in David Tepper in Carolina, very progressive, very aggressive and really wanting to win and all that stuff. Like, I don't think he's afraid to make changes at this point. And yeah, if rule, if the Niners boat race Carolina and Baker Mayfield looks bad again, like we could, I could absolutely see them being in the market for a head coach. And like, it is kind of interesting. Like D'Amico Ryan's would be kind of a perfect candidate for them though. Yeah, maybe assuming they get a quarterback in there. Yeah. Well, if they, Obviously, Ryan's wouldn't go there mid-season. You'd go. He'd potentially interview after the season. But like, yeah, right, right, right. But if they fire their head coach mid-season, they're immediately tanking and immediately. I think they have their first-round picks, right? Sure. Like if immediately, they don't have anybody on their roster that I'm like, oh, they gave up a first-round pick for that. Coach. Right, right, right. So <laughs> I think they're they would immediately be in the mix for you know one of the quarterbacks at the top of next year's draft. So you know, new coach. <laughs> rookie quarterback like it might not be a terrible situation just wonder like bobby slowick clint kubiak sure <laughs> i know who those people are um, assistance that, sure, that ryan's yeah. could that ryan's could bring with them as offensive coordinators yeah totally totally yeah. totally totally um okay i have you motivated me to go look at icky Aquano's stats from this year his pro football focus stats he has a 51.2 pass blocking grade that's orange he's given <laughs> up he's given up a team worse 10 pressures and three sacks yeah um of the panthers top four pass blockers one of them is an offensive lineman it's always a good sign two tight ends and a halfback chubba hubbard is dominant as a pass blocker it turns out and dominant in having just an outstanding, <clears throat> excuse me, an outstanding name. Yeah, he's also played 16 snaps. Yeah. Very tough. Yeah. Um, Hubbard just rolls off the tongue. I love it. Yeah, big time. Um, yeah, I just, there's not, outside of, like I said, Christian McCaffrey being individually brilliant, which it which is funny because in the game that the Niners beat the Panthers pretty soundly, at, at home in 2019 that was emmanuel sanders first game i think carolina's only touchdown was like a ridiculous long christian mccaffrey run yeah i remember that game <clears throat> the niners ran like for 250 yards i think yeah tevin and, coleman had a monster game I think yeah and debo samuel had like a really cool rushing touchdown yes where he lined up as like the h-back yeah sick. and then they like gave him a quick a quick inside handoff and it was like, wait, where, what happened? And then Debo's in the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I've never, that, that game was, it was notable to me because Luke Keekley looked like he had no idea. Right. Which is right. really hard to do. Yeah. With a guy like Luke Keekley. Yeah. And he was just spinning. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, that was a fun game. That was well before Matt rule, I believe. Right. Yeah, that that was still Ron Rivera. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting because, you know, we talk about like how the 49ers should boat race them. Kind of had the same feeling going can into you, week one. Can you, but at this point, with where the 49ers offense is, can you say they're going to boat race anybody? Right, no, probably not. But even like... Maybe eventually, but right now there's no evidence to suggest like, oh, they're going to hang 30 on a team. Right. It would take turnovers like a defensive or special teams touchdown. At least that's what it feels like. Yeah. Like they're not. And and eventually, I mean, who knows, right? Like you remember in 2019 in week one, the passing game was not particularly good in Tampa. Right. Right. Garoppolo threw a pick six. And the defense ultimately bailed him out. The Niners scored two defensive touchdowns in that game in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Came back the next week and looked really, really good against Cincinnati. 
I think they put up 41 points or something like that. And Jimmy Garoppolo was really, really good in that game. All the Bengals, Bengals were favored, which is funny. As, as, yeah, I, that's we, we dude, mentioned that, that before. That's that's the game that the Niners ended up going to the Super Bowl. The Bengals had the number one pick, and in yeah. Week Two in that matchup, the Bengals were the favored team, right? Because the Niners struggled in Tampa, and the Bengals went into Seattle and gave Seattle hell. Yeah, one. they like almost won. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, oh man, Cincinnati. Yeah, we got to spend the week in Youngstown. That was a, a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no we got to go to the hall of fame it was a, it was a good time but yeah youngstown. the youngstown hall of fame no the the pro oh. football hall of fame oh, in, in canton ever okay. ever heard of it <laughs> uh, no. no oh okay tell me about it please. it's it's a it's like a museum oh oh you've been to the hall of fame name every member <laughs> well, i'll start with ernie nevers shout out to santa rosa <laughs> high school um he, Ernie Nevers, like I knew, you know, Santa Rosa High's football field is named after it's Nevers Field. And I just never, you know, I'm, he's he was like a one of the first like star football players in like the oh. 40s or 50s. And I go, I was like, wait, Ernie Nevers has like a like a display, not even like a bust. They have like an Ernie Nevers like section at the I was just blown away. If if anyone listens to this pod in Santa Rosa, which hopefully a few people do. Um, Ernie Nevers, shout out like, Cooperage. Uh, yeah, shouts to Cooperage. Ernie Nevers, Santa Rosa High legend and, and an actual football legend. Um, so yeah. I learned that that trip. Hey, shout out Tyler. Yeah, shout out Tyler. Shout out, shout out Kurt. Um, what were we talking about? So yeah, the there's the the Panthers. There's I, I can see multiple scenarios and where like it's still kind of a slog for the 49ers offense. But ultimately, like it should be a game where if they get to twenty points, they should win comfortably. I agree. Barring defensive touchdowns by Carolina or bad turnovers deep in in their own territory by the 49ers. Yeah, I mean for me, like And even then. Yeah, for me, the if the 49ers don't turn the ball over, I have a hard time seeing them losing. I feel that's it. Th- I feel like that a lot in most of their games. Yeah, like that. That's the biggest issue with Jimmy Garoppolo is like, can you avoid turnovers? Can Ray Ray McLeod not fumble the ball? Dude, I swear every punt feels like it's going on the ground. <laughs> every punt. And I don't I mean, know if that's just bias built in because he fumbled so much throughout his career. But man, it just really feels like he's super eager, super eager to put the ball like on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. He needs they, he it. needs to clean that up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, but it should be a game where if they don't turn the ball over and just play clean offensively, they should win comfortably. But the self inflicted wounds are the 49ers' biggest issue offensively i think even more so than not being like productive enough it's like they can go you know they can go three for 12 on third down like to me that's less of an issue given how good the defense is than yeah you're three for 12 on third down but you also turned it over twice right like that to me those two turnovers matter a whole lot more than going three for 12 on third down so like totally that if you know to me that's the diff like that's a separating factor when it comes to keeping bad teams in these games because the 49ers are clearly way better than Carolina, right? But the yes. way you yes. the way the way you play down to the competition is 
giving them short fields, giving them a pick six, giving them a safety and then a pick six, (laughs) Um, you know, like that, that is, is ultimately what could cost the 49ers. And I'm not ruling out that happening um, because that's very, very possible that it could just be self-inflicted wounds. And it's one of those really frustrating 49ers losses again. Um, But I think they're closer to turning a corner and playing clean now that Jimmy Garoppolo does have a little bit more practice time. Mm-hmm. Same for George Kittle, his third week back. You know, I don't, we can talk about Jimmy Ward and Jason Verrett. I would be stunned if Jason Verrett, if the Niners didn't have him practice for his full window before elevating I'd, him to the active roster. If they even elevate him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they might and just keep him on ice and just be like, well, we're going to keep Verrett inactive, but get him in shape through practice and stuff until there's and like an injury elsewhere. Year. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not like, you know, are you going to have Jason Verrett active over Ambry Thomas? Just be like, well, I think Jason Verrett's a lot better on special teams. Like, no, you're going to save Verrett, in my opinion, save Verrett until like Emmanuel Mosley or Traverius Ward gets hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Like Just that to me makes the most terrific sense. insurance policy. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, as you do that, you give yourself more time to get him healthy and react. Yes. yes. But in terms of Jimmy Ward, I think it's really interesting because there's, there's been some talk about like, well, you know, you don't want to mess up a good thing by putting Jimmy Ward back there. Like, I don't think the 49ers would be worse with Jimmy Ward in there. You know, like if you have Jimmy Ward replaced Deshaun Gibson, like I think you're probably better off. And then you have an opportunity to get more creative with three safety sets, particularly yeah. with Tarvarius Moore dealing with an injury, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's something to to keep an eye on. Like the 49ers defense has been really good, but it's been without its captain in the secondary so we'll yeah. see if he comes back this week he practiced he's been practicing this week and and you know Kyle Shanahan said there's there's a chance he plays Sunday I I tend to think that he will play Sunday I'm not Me too. I, that's just um pure speculation I'm, on my part but I, I do think that's I, I'm out on the idea that like oh don't mess with a good thing and and yeah that's crazy keep Jimmy Ward on the sideline like no play Jimmy Ward and then allow yourself to play to Sean Gibson and get a little bit more creative if you want to by if, using three safety looks if Jimmy Ward was like a first round pick who'd never played then okay then maybe but dude you know Jimmy Ward is a really good player and the thing he does for me I don't know how much higher their ceiling is with him uh but I it becomes more sustainable to me Right. Like right. if you told me that in week six Tayshawn Gibson was just gonna fall off a cliff and you know miss a tackle here and have get beat deep there, it's like, oh okay, I could but I just don't think that's gonna necessarily happen with Jimmy Ward. Sure. And like you said, they can get more creative. He can play in the slot. Like there's there's it's a huge benefit to have him back, I think. Yeah, and even that though, like I don't think Diamador Lenore's done anything to be like, well, we gotta make changes in the slot either. You know, I think Lenore's played really well. And I yeah. think ultimately, if you're optimistic about Lenore, you just kind of leave him there and be like, all right, well, if he's going to play like this, then this might be our nickel back of the future. And like, let's get him yeah. these reps. Yeah. The 2021 draft coming in strong, by the way. There's going to be four players starting from the 2021 draft on Sunday. And none of them are the first three. Oh, no. Aaron Banks. One of their first four picks will be among those five. Four. It's Aaron Banks at left guard. It's Lenore in the slot. It is Hufanga at strong safety. And Jalen Moore at left tackle. Very likely Jalen Moore at left tackle. What color is uh, Aaron Banks' season grade on PFF? I think it's very green. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, you're not looking at it. I thought you were looking. I'm at not it. looking at it. A, no. I thought that was a hey guess thing. No, no, no. Um, let me let me look. I feel like it's green. He's been he's he's been. It feels like he's been playing pretty well. Yeah. No. He's a uh, he's a what I call what kind of what kind of green is this? It's a it's a it's a strong lime green. Oh, I mean, it's more green than yellow. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's a. Kelly Green. It is Kelly Green. Okay. Um, what, what I'm going with. What's the actual grade? 69.4. So he's done a nice job. <laughs> that so, was... Uh, it is no shade was... to PFF, but I, I enjoyed the, the colors thing. Like the colors bit to me is is just funny. Yeah. 
Yeah. So he was he was kind of a yellow green and then and then borderline forest green in in week two. Week three, eh, more toward Kelly Green, but week four, dark orange, like Orioles orange. In, oh, really? He wasn't four. good against yeah, the Rams? He's, yeah, he struggled. Struggled per PFF. Okay. Um, I mean, we could talk about that at a later point, but the Aaron Banks thing is turning out better than I think I'm, everyone was I'm expecting. Yeah. Yeah. I want to give it a couple more weeks, but. So far, it's not been a disaster. And we talked about this before before the season when we were doing our 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 hot takes. And I said, I think the offensive line will probably be fine. That's what Banks has been. Like he's been fine. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I need a, I I want a few more weeks to kind of see what it looks like. But uh, so far, so good. I mean, to allow no sacks against the Rams is good, decent. Matt even decent. though even though the the numbers coming into that game indicated the Rams didn't have a great pass rush, but. It was uh, it was still a good, a pretty good performance from the offensive line. You, the next step for the offensive line is getting to the point where, like, okay, we can feel good about long developing plays and five step drops and um, those types of things. Like that, to me, is really the next step for the offensive line because I still don't think Kyle Shanahan's there yet. I think he can get he can get through um, get through a game by you know having this quick passing attack, but a lot of that is from a lack of confidence in the offensive line. And and Brian Burns certainly this week will be a good test, but I think the next evolution for the offensive line is Kyle Shanahan being willing to open up the playbook with some of those longer developing plays. Yeah, I totally agree. And in fact, um, let's use that spoiler alert. To transition into the Cooperage six pack. All right, Cooperage six pack. We draft six players, three each, that we think are going to have the biggest out, biggest impact, biggest impact on the game. We've still not fleshed out exactly what we're looking for with this bit. I but say just it the every players, time. I say, but, I, who's going to no, tell but, the story of the game, good or bad? Okay, but like it's forty nine players. It's a little vague. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. My our guy Dom. I'm going to say our guy Dom. You know Dom. Our guy Dom, friend of the show, um, sent me two voice memos of how to, um, not improve the bit, but uh, hone it in. I guess. And I've not listened to them yet. Get it dialed? Yeah, to like dial it in. You haven't uh, listened to his voice memos yet? No, man. I'm, I'm, I'm busy. So, Dom, shout out to you. I'll listen to the voice memos uh, later on, but we're not going to take your ideas into account on this particular program. Should I talk about some emails I've gotten that I haven't read yet or no? <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> it's your world. I got right, some let's, emails. Let's I don't know what they say, but I guess I, I guess I could bring them up on the pod. <laughs> Um, <laughs> here's one from from Dan. Looks like he's from uh, Auburn. And uh, okay, anyways, let's. Uh, there's a Del Oro fan email in there somewhere. Uh, Shout out to you Loomis. Pick, you pick first in in this week's. So am I trying to go three and zero? Yeah, you're definitely two and zero. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm not going to take Jordan Mason first. Good. Um, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with chalk, and then I'm gonna go more hipster as we go. Great. Um, so it's gonna be Nick Bosa. Like we we talked about the Panthers' offense and how bad it is, and the fact they have a rookie left tackle. Um, and Nick Bosa leads the league in pressures and sacks. Um. That's really all the analysis I got on this one. I think Nick Bosa, sure. Nick Bosa, and Micah Parsons are the two best defensive players in the league right now, and it's probably not super close. Um, so if Bosa had another multiple sack performance, I would not be surprised. And uh, and he's my first pick. Nice man. I think you could pick Nick Bosa one every week and probably feel pretty good about it. I do. I do. He had fourteen pressures. Yeah. Against the Rams. <laughs> Sick. 
Did you know he gets like he gets held a lot? Have you heard that? People have I heard he it? Gets... No, dude. No, dude. People I watched say... the games. I see it. <laughs> well, you did. You did watch the all twenty-two. No, I mean, people say that Nick Bosa gets held a lot. I don't. I had no idea. Apparently, people it's think it's point. people think it's called all twenty-two because you see all twenty-two players. No, it's because you see all twenty-two holds on Nick Bosa. <laughs> Just outraged. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm guessing. What's funny is I think every. I'm guessing every team that has a elite pass rusher, so Browns, Raiders, you know, pick, pick whatever. Um, probably has the exact same conversation, right? So, anyways, yeah. that's that's my take on that. Um, holding happens on every play. I'm gonna take George Kittle first. Wow, okay. I after all that, yeah, after all that, I'm gonna take George Kittle because at some point, like we, I, I. It, when when I picked Trent Williams, it was like, hey, he's getting his legs under him. I picked him for the Denver game, and then he got hurt. But it's like he's back in the swing of things. He didn't have any preseason. The first couple of games are like preseason, especially for Kittle, who's dealing with an injury. I I think the Niners are going to make a concerted effort to get him open on a couple of plays where he's, you know, like the play against the Rams on uh, in the NFC Championship game where he's just running open in the middle of the field. And they got a couple of those against the Packers too. I think he dropped one, and then the, and then they hit another one. But um, would as long as Garopp- it <clears throat> would have been a touchdown, I think in the first quarter of that Packers game. Yes, I I absolutely agree. <sighs> I think uh, the one against the Rams might have gone for a touchdown too. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a play or two like that where it's like, hey, this is designed to get Kittle the ball in space where he can he can make a play. And he's so- a, and he's just an excellent blocker. So yeah, I hope you didn't jinx him towards becoming expensive, Charlie Warner, but. No, I'm with you on the pick. All right. We're going hipster. Um, oh. I'm going Colton McKivitz. Or no, sorry. Jalen Moore. No, Jalen Moore. Colton McKivitz is hurt. Um, Jalen Moore because he's going to be matched up. Or, I mean, are we certain it's going to be Moore and not... Uh, what's the other guy's name? Haynes? Hayes? Blake Hans? Hans. Thank you. This is what happens when a team is on its third or potentially fourth left tackles. You need well, to double like check on their names. Shanahan made it sound like it would be Brunskill if it's not more. For what it's worth. Okay. Um, how about this? Is it? Can He's I say whoever tackle. is playing left tackle? You're going to say that the left tackle is going to have an impact on an NFL game? Sure, man. <laughs> well, remember... Okay, hey, then was... I didn't pick then I didn't pick Jordan Mason last week. I took whoever was gonna play running back. Fine. I'll take Jalen Moore and take babe. There and, you go. And and take the risk of him not playing and risk Jordan Masoning myself. Except no, except it would be worse because he's not gonna contribute on special teams. <laughs> he'll be out Mason there had for... a strong game on teams. Yeah, I don't know. He'll probably be out there for a field goal. Um <laughs> I'll take more. Is he getting that reach? Just he's got the left hand and then the right hand to help out the guy next to him. Yeah. Listen, my whole thing with this exercise, I'll say it again, is who like tell the story of the game. Mm -hmm. If he cannot block Burns and Burns like has a couple sacks and a strip, you know, a forced fumble or whatever, Mm -hmm. then that's going to be obviously problematic. If Burns has a quiet game, then we'll feel pretty good about the 49ers chances at not turning the ball over. Right. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the the point behind this pick. If Moore or whoever plays tackle plays well, then it's going to go a long way towards determining the outcome, in my opinion. But I'm going to go with Moore because you make a valid point about the Jordan Mason thing <laughs> and that you could have just taken any running back. Um, so, yeah, going edging edging far f- further towards the hipster side of the spectrum with this one. I dig it. After going gonna, chalk, super chalk with the first pick. Yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't go chalk necessarily because of Kittle's lack of production, but he's he's one of their biggest names, so I guess that counts. For the next one, it feels like picking. It feels like Fred Warner is going to have a an impactful game of like maybe forces a fumble on a blitz or gets an interception on Baker, just kind of trying to get the ball out to McCaffrey um, or Warner slowing McCaffrey down 
Um, I I know Fred Warner has a like impact on every game, but this might be one where we get that, like we talked about with the Trent Williams montage in week three, we might get one of those with Fred Warner this week where it's like, hey, it's a pass breakup and there's an interception and a forced fumble and a bunch of tackles. So I think we get a big, big Fred Warner game. Yeah, like look how good he is in coverage. Like breaks up a pass against Christian McCaffrey and then they they show the montage. Yeah, I could see that happening. That's a good pick. Um we didn't talk well, I guess let let's I have something I want to talk about after we do our pick six. Uh that I wanted to hit on before the pod and it just popped into my head. Um all right, my last pick. I promise to go hipster. 49ers might need a bounce back game from Robbie Gold. Over or under two and a half made field goals for Robbie Gold. Over. Okay. Because I don't have faith in the 49ers offense to convert all of their red zone opportunities. Okay. And I think the defense is like, there's going to be like a turnover on the Panthers side of the field. And then the offense goes three and out and the Niners kick a field goal. <laughs> sure. You know, um, I'd imagine it's just been eating at Robbie all week that he's he's missed that 42 yard field goal against the Rams that would have made things a little bit more comfortable and would have moved him up, I think, in the 49ers all time scoring list. Yeah. So that's certainly on his mind. Um, I think he's eager to to get back out there. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm Keep taking going. Robbie no, Gold. This is great. I think he, <laughs> this is great. Keep going, please. Because <laughs> I think he's just, you know, he's Robbie Gold. He's in he's that same picker. vein. In that same vein, I'm taking Mitch Wishnowski for the holds. Can he get the laces? <laughs> um my last my last pick is Juwan Jennings. Okay. You talk about red zone scoring. I think we get a Jennings touchdown in the red zone. We saw Garoppolo target him multiple times on third down the other night. I think he would have had a big play had Garoppolo not sailed that one to him in the middle of the field. Um, I just, it, it, he's he's had a couple of games this year where it's like, man, Jawan Jennings had a, had a, you feel like he had a great game, but it was like, eh, it's, it was fine. I think we're going to get a very, very good Jawan Jennings game. So the it feels like, given what you said, like mentioning the red zone stuff, that you're kind of pitting Jennings against Gold. Like you're you're kind of coming, Absolutely. you're coming at my throat with this pick because you know me taking Gold. The assumption is that they're going to be settling for field goals in the red zone, and you taking Jennings mentioning red zone. You're like, all right, no chance. Robbie's doing this. Like I'm I'm coming I'm coming after Chris and his two and zero record in this. As with all things 49ers, it all comes back to Jimmy Garoppolo. This is an <laughs> indictment on Garoppolo. Will they score touchdowns in the red zone or will they be kicking field goals? I kind of like the idea of a bit where we have this where we have this segment and every weekly pod where we're like, these are the most important players of the game, and we never include Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean, you took I him a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? Did I? Yeah. I'd have to go back through my. Coaching, Did you know he was notes. he was the 49ers' highest graded player on Monday night, according to who? Pro Football Focus. Yeah, I mean, he was our highest graded offensive player. So was he blue? Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah, I didn't come out of that game thinking Jimmy Garoppolo. PFF blue, but... blued him. <laughs> um. So what I wanted to talk about was the Nick Bosa Baker Mayfield thing. Oh, and boy. I just honestly wanted to give you a chance to revive your Nick Bosa impression <laughs> because it is really good. It's I don't know if it's that good. It, I thought it was good. It's I'm been having a little bit thoughts now. I mean, it's been a while since I've heard it, but it was extremely good at the time in 2019. And it also recently got a little bit of burn in the athletic, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. Because Barrows meant Barrows wrote about your impression of Baker Mayfield with uh, host, of Nick Bosa talking about Baker Mayfield, which I host is, a 49ers podcast per Matt Barrows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shots to um, Yeah, I don't know. You, this this is one of those things where it's like putting me on the spot and now I'm nervous to do it. 
Right. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it's okay though. It's like uh, the the other thing is so a couple people posted videos, and this is why I think I'm nervous. A couple people posted videos doing their Nick Bosa impressions online, and they're way better than mine. They yeah. do the whole like like breathy like where he like talks as he's exhaling thing, <laughs> and I can't even do that. You just did it. No, but, I don't. I don't know. I just I don't know. Um, no, but the the. Okay, well, can you can I you at least it. practice so you know, no, like when we record was, Sunday night, you can do it potentially. Yeah, because I love that. Um, I love just the idea of Nick Bosa talking trash because it's so clear that he like doesn't because he just like he just he's gonna whoop your ass and then just go back and line up and get ready to do it again. Like that's just. That's the whole thing, you know. When Hassan Ridgeway breaks through and gets a sack, it's like, oh yeah, hell yeah, you suck. Uh, that's him talking to the offensive line. All he um, said was like, Baker. Yeah, well, no, that's <laughs> that's what was so funny about it is they were like, uh, they were like, uh, like, oh, did you say anything? Because he did the flag celebration. They're like, oh, did you say anything? And he was like, yeah, it's like Baker, Baker. How you doing, Baker? It was just like he didn't. He had no, how you doing? That's his. That's his trash talk. I think he said, "What's the matter?" At one point, it's what's just, the matter, Baker? <laughs> oh, <H>, Baker. Like, <laughs> see, it's I was so I was in that scrum, and like I can say, you your impression is solid. I was. Okay. I think I was one of those people egging Nick Bosa on to say something about Baker. Yeah. So. It was just, I love that that's his trash talk. Right. Like, he reached deep in his bag and came up with the person's name. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same. Like, it's along the same lines of like, he'll have a sack and just shrug, you know? Right. Like, eh. What are we going to do? You know, yeah. Bar mitzvahs. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you at least did a little bit of this. That's all I've got. No, that's it's all, all you that's need all to be honest. It's all you really need. All he says. Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't be upset if we got to a point where like after Sunday's game, we could do like the Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal thing where I'm like, and now let's go live to our exclusive interview with Nick Bosa. And then we could like do the whole thing. So if you wanted to spend your weekend practicing, I'd be cool with it. Okay. I will. <laughs> I will voice recorder, say a bunch of stuff, listen back. See how. Yeah. It's like quiet. I said this to Barrows. You have to like, it's, you're not, you're not whispering, but it's like you whispered and somebody goes, I can't hear you. Right. So that's about the level of voice you need to have. And then there's like a little bit of like Minnesota to it. Like yeah. a sprinkle of Minnesota. I hadn't thought about that, but it is kind of, it is a good point, which is interesting because he's like a Florida guy. Right. Not a Minnesota guy. Not a Minnesota guy. Yeah. Anyways, um, I think the I think the 49ers win. I like the under. 49ers win in the under. Yeah. What is I think the, the over under is like 38 and a half. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds right. But if but if if so, I, I, I said it's hard to because based on what we've seen through four games, it's hard to be like, yeah, the Niners are going to just put it on this team and beat them 38 to 10. But if there was ever a week where they were going to break out, and it's like, oh shit, there's the Niners. Right. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if it was this week or next week in Atlanta. Although Atlanta's been been playing all right, but um I think the if, Atlanta game's more difficult than this one. I agree. And that's that's why if you know they come out, they beat the Rams on Monday night football, and then they come back and short week cross country trip, uh and, and and kind of put a beat down on Carolina and we get the oh hey, the Niners are back. They got right. Yeah, I, I think to me, ultimately, I said this earlier, but it's going to come down to turnovers. Like if it's just if it's a game where the Niners play clean and don't turn it over, then they should win comfortably. It could also be one of those games where they like noticeably outplay the Panthers, but Jimmy Garoppolo is stripped and fumbles or Ray Ray McLeod fumbles a kickoff or punt or, right, you know, somebody throws a pick or somebody else fumbles, whatever that'll keep the Panthers in it. But if they just play a clean game, I think the 49ers should roll. That's my expectation. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, that's it. Subscribe, rate, review. Check Go to out. Cooperage. Shout out to Cooperage. Cooperagebrewing.com. Got to be 21 and up, but they will overnight beer anywhere within the state of California. So, Which is just the move. Shout out to Tyler's chin, our producer. Yeah, shouts to, Ch- shouts to Tyler. I um, think a good bit... Hey, I'm going to... Instead of saying this off the pod, I'm just going to do it now. I think a good bit would be like listing all the things that like people help with on a podcast and just say Tyler chin for all of them. Just like (laughs) (laughs) thanks to our producer, Tyler chin, our associate producer, Tyler chin. Thanks to Tyler chin for additional production support. Thanks to our researcher, Tyler chin. Thanks to our audio engineer, Tyler chin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cause that's what he is. So yeah. Shout out Tyler. Shout out to Tyler. Okay. We will talk to you guys after the Niners play the Carolina Panthers. And it'll be we. I'll be on that with you. Yeah, I won't have to solo pod. I'll save all Shout of out. our uh, all of our listeners from just listening to me yammer on for however long I did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shouts to primetime games. Uh, it's kind of weird. This is a 1 p.m. local start. Yeah. Pacific like time it. on the East Coast. So it's a 4 like p.m. It. start. It's going to be like dark over in Carolina by the time the second half starts. I think. That'll be cool. Sure. I like night football. Yeah, visually it looks cool. All right. Um, all right. Bye-bye. See you guys.